Hello and welcome to podcast with Devi Star. Think Act Renew, sponsored by Teletherapies. I'm your host Devi, officially known as Miss Devi Sundar, and today's episode is on mental health in education industry in UK. A bit of history about me. I'm the clinical director and the founder of Teletherapies and I have many hats. I'm mom of two kids, counselor, psychotherapist, respiratory physiotherapist, specialized in pulmonary rehab, researcher and a health coach. Devi Star talks about lung and mental health to empower people to renew their thoughts and actions for a better quality of life. 10th October 2022, the World Mental Health Day, and it extends through this month. The purpose of this podcast is to educate, inform and raise awareness on mental health importance in education industry. The World Health Organization defines mental health as a state of well-being in which an individual realizes his or her own abilities, can cope with the normal stress of life, can work productively and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. More than 4 out of 10 workers that say work stress has increased as a result of pandemic and the report is recorded in the European Occupational Safety and Health Survey. The evidence suggests that a poorly managed work organization and an unfavorable work environment are linked to an individual's experiencing distresses in workplace. Again, the same European Union Information Agency for Occupational Safety and Health have uh, reported um as a result of their survey that work related stress is a symptom of an organizational problem not an individual weakness stress is one of the most significant hazards of working in the education sector more with an experience in education sector in uk i would actually agree with the statement but there is no awareness of work stress of education sector in uk in this episode i'll discuss what is stress and forms of work related stress in education sector the legislations around the work stress prevention and action tips for bully proof workplace let's dive into the segments Stress is commonly defined as a perceived imbalance between the demands made on people and their resources or their ability to cope with those demands. It is not a disease but prolonged exposure to it can lead to psychological and physical ill health. Some forms of work-related uh, stress physical illness are headaches, feeling tired, anxious, depressed, sleeping more or less than usual. The new research from the University of Louisville is believed to be the first to use biological data to connect factors like stress, capacity, physical and social environment and whether work is regarded as a meaningful to person performing it with risk for chronic health conditions. The findings confirm and it's published in the International Journal of Environment Research and Public Health that work-related stress leads to chronic health conditions. In education Work related stress is often linked to violence, bullying, harassment and unacceptable student behavior. 
Violence at work is any incident where a person is abused, threatened or assaulted and includes insults, threats and physical or psychological aggression exerted by people against a person at work. Workers in education are more at risk of violence when their jobs involve dealing directly with students' difficult behavior, working late alone, working with students with special needs. Bullying, the term bullying can be characterized in a number of different ways. 30% of workplace stress is related to workplace bullying and it has become the reality of the real-world workplace. Commonly, men are more likely than women to report having been subjected to adverse psychosocial aggression behaviors at workplace. The Advisory Conciliation and Arbitration Service, ACAS, defines bullying as offensive, intimidating, malicious, or insulting behavior and abuse or misuse of power through means that undermine, humiliate, denigrate, or injure the recipient. Examples like ignoring views, ideas, and opinions, withholding information which can affect a worker's performance, setting unreasonable and impossible deadlines, unrealistic targets, being made to feel unprofessional, setting unmanageable workloads or blocking promotions by providing minimal workload to belittle one's work productivity and skills, public humiliation of staff in front of others, through face-to-face interactions or through group emails, spreading malicious rumors, intentionally blocking promotions or training opportunities with an excuse of work hours and work days, ridiculing or demeaning someone by picking on them or setting them up to fail, overbearing supervision or other misuse of power or position, deliberately undermining a competent worker with a constant criticism. Like one slight error, the manager blows up as if the person have done a whole page of wrong, will not listen to what you have said or targets picking up on every actions. In nutshell, if one has to define a workplace bullying, it is a behavior that is detrimental and negatively impacts the employee's physical, psychological and social growth which can result in workplace post-traumatic stress disorder. Today, I would also like to talk with the other less familiar term, workplace mobbing. According to the factorial HR polls, workplace mobbing is a term that refers to mistreatment of one or more people by one or more perpetrators with a sole purpose of getting them out of workplace. Prominently, targets are victims who are competent, educated, resilient, outspoken, challenges the status quo, and women between the ages of 32 and 55, part of the minority group or racially different. Four UK workers have been bullied at work, and the figures equate over 9.1 million of the UK workforce, impacting the nation's sustainable economic development. The same amount also reported to be felt left out in the workplace. 
The UK healthcare system largely depends on the international workforce and data confirms one in five staff in NHS are from black, Asian and minority ethnic background. A workplace culture defaults minorities by giving labels or misjudges them or excludes them in some forms or fashions. For example, insults like Asians don't speak English, Asians don't question, or um, assumptions like Asians are submissive, and uh, some other assumptions like black men are violent or dangerous. In NHS, being staffed well-being is a non-growing public health problem. A survey by CIPD conducted in 2006 showed that Groups most likely to become victims of bullying and harassment are black and Asian employees, women and disabled workers. Nearly one-third, that is 29% of Asian and black workers, had experienced some form of work-related bullying or harassment, compared with 18% of white employees. A 2020 survey on 2000 UK-based employees on the experiences at work to date had findings revealed 23% of British workforce has been bullied at work, 25% have made feel left out in the workplace and 12% admitted to be struggling to make friends in their workplace. And the survey also published some regional figures and looking at the data, the bullied category Southwest ranks first with 29.5%, Second place taken by London, 27.1%, and Northwest and Wales taking the third place with 24.5% and 24%. Left out category, London and Scotland ranks first with 29.5%, and Northern Ireland ranks second with 28%, and East Midlands rank 27.5%, and Wales rank fourth with 26.1%. And in the category of struggling to make friends, Scotland ranks first with 17.2%, Southeast ranks second with 14%, and Northwest and Yorkshire ranks third with 13%. The ACOS helpline receives over 20,000 calls annually, and these calls reveal that bullying manifests in a wide variety of ways, having serious impacts on individuals' well-being business performance and UK economy as a whole. On the other hand, harassment is defined as a repeated, unreasonable behaviour directed toward an employee or group of employees that creates a risk to health and safety. Unreasonable behaviour suggests intent to victim, to victimise, humiliate or undermine or threaten. Not only those behaviours or actions of the individual or a group, but also of the system of work, may be used as a means of victimising the employee. Any level of workplace bullying and harassment leads to employees' low work satisfaction, employees' disengagement in the form of high absenteeism and staff turnover, and creates a toxic workplace culture and a costly litigations. Let's dive into the next segments. What are the legislations around this workplace bullying?
In this segment, I'm going to talk about the legislations around bullying and harassment. Raise and Racism Awareness as a bold exhibit following George Floyd's death on 25th May 2020. But still today, we are navigating everyday subtle intentional interactions or behaviours that communicate biases directed to marginalised communities, either overt or hostile, that hurts the minorities. If one had approached the management with issues of bullying or harassment, their feelings and frustrations are dismissed, projecting blame on each other, gossiping about each other, displacing emotions on colleagues, gaslighting, creating a negative workplace. There is no psychological safety in workplace. By this, I refer to where people can speak their mind, make suggestions, and feedback to their superiors or colleagues at work without fear of retaliation. Policies for dignity at workplace, health and safety remain in paper, but no meaningful action seen in practice. Though the legal end states bullying and harassment is unlawful, but the reality often falls short, especially for black Asian minority ethnic group. While bullying isn't classed as illegal under the Equality Act 2010, harassment is. The problem is that there is often a number of overlaps between harassment and bullying, where harassment is more direct. Bullying is often less obvious, more subtle and psychological. Despite bullying not being recognized under the Equality Act 2010, under the Health and Safety at Work Act 1974, all employers have legal duty to ensure health, safety and welfare of their employees, which includes protection from bullying and workplace, including the psychological impact. The Management of Health and Safety at Work Regulations 1999 require employers to assess the nature and scale of workplace risk to health and safety. This includes mental health, ensuring that there are proper control measures to avoid these risks wherever possible and those measures are communicated clearly to all levels of employees. Where bullying or harassment is motivated by workers' sex, race, gender, including gender reassignment, sexual orientation, disability, age, nationality, religion or belief, marriage or civil partnership, pregnancy or maternity, a claim can be brought under Equality Act 2010. In addition, a member may be able to pursue the case under the Protection from the Harassment Act 1997 with evidence of a course of conduct in the bullying by a fellow employee against him or her, which was targeted and designed to cause distress. In addition, workplace stress is also related to lateral violence, by which I mean stress caused by unfavorable and discriminatory contract, inconsistent workload, lack of policies for retention issues, and employee safety policies including risk assessment for psychological safety. In 2004, European Social Partners signed a framework agreement on work-related stress and in 2007, another agreement on harassment and violence at work put in place a framework for dealing with these psychosocial issues, workplace harassment and violence, with the aim of increasing awareness and understanding employers, workers and their representative. But 
how far this was implemented in practice in UK before Brexit could be another research project to explore. I raise this question as there is a blurred understanding of equality, diversity and inclusion in practice in many organizations at present. Let me share some thoughts on equality, diversity and inclusion. Organizations talk about equality, diversity and inclusion. If we be brutally honest and ask a question, is there any quality metrics and meaningful actions in place? The answer is a big no, as mental health issues are presently soaring high in workplace. Human resources sees and focuses on skin color, physical abilities, language, age, and is blinded to the values, educational levels, knowledge, soft skills of black Asian minority ethnic communities. It's no point in having hundreds of diverse people in an organization focused only on the quantity with no inclusion, by which I mean the quality of experience, feeling of belongingness and zero tolerance policies to bullying and harassment. Workplace may have an intent to promote a safe working place for employees with laws and policies, but the impact is not measured how employees experience the situation. In practice, it is obvious that there is a diverse teams, but the teams are with high conflicts and high absenteeism. Bonding behavior has become a culture instead of a bridging behavior. By which I mean, bonding is connecting with whom you have a natural affinity with people with the same make and likeness. Bridging means you don't have natural affinity with the person. You have to move out of your comfort zone. No common grounds. It's going to take some effort. And interest. Once you bridge, then comes debonding. A cultural interest and inclusion empathy is required to have a deeply inclusive ambience at organizations, and that is what is missing in today's practice. In this segment of prevention of workplace bullying, I'm going to share some tips for the victims of uh, bullying and harassment and some tips of risk assessment for the organization to make the organization a bully proof. For the victims now, challenging bullying at work can be especially difficult, particularly where it is accepted as a part of their culture. Most often, the perpetrators of the bullying or harassment do not accept when it is called out loud. They deny it. It's a known response. It is not a good experience to be a victim of workplace bullying after many years of hard work and achievements. You would surely have an eye psychological distress and it will be exhausting. We need to use emotional intelligence at this place, become aware of your own self and your own cognitive distortions and identify how you're feeling. And at the same time, do not stay silent if you have experienced bullying, not letting the bully get away to reinforce the culture. Have an open communication. Say it loud that they are hurting your feelings. And don't keep beating around the toxic conversations of people for a longer time that is going to impact your mental health. Connect with positive and supportive people. Be creative and share your skills with broader audience to empower your self-worth. Now for the organization. 
When leaders receive complaints, how leaders respond sends a message to the whole employee crowd and it sets the work culture tone. In most organizations, there is a scarcity of inclusion, empathy, and social leadership skills with a hardwood mindset. So, the organization first needs to look into changing the language of communication on bullying and harassment. Bullying and harassment should be labeled as an assault, and a five step risk assessment should be adopted for a bully proof workplace in education industry. So in risk assessment, first of all, identifying the risk, bullying, harassment and violence as an hazard is very, very crucial to implement some policies. The checklist for work-related bullying and harassment in education sector should have some kind of policies and procedures. What you need to be looking into the checklist there are some tips as follows. Look into, is there any supportive climate or atmosphere that does not tolerate unacceptable behavior, such as bullying, violence, and harassment? Is there a supportive relationship with their students and their peers or co-workers? Are there any stress, violence, harassment seen as a health and safety issue? Are bullying, violence and harassment by students or co-workers are covered in the risk assessment. Is there an access to the occupational health support and whether the risk assessment is implemented? Is there a training on the stress, violence and harassment prevention given to all staff including the managers and other staffs in the admin role? Are workers involved in stress risk assessment and is a management process being monitored continuously? Are the students and staff involved in the risk reduction process, like setting behavior standards for students? Are dignity and respect towards the other peoples are taught in student and a positive behavior is reinforced frequently? Are the workplace equipments and education and physical environment maintained and monitored? For example, like air conditioning, lighting, or the restrooms. Are the excessive demands, workload, and frequent needs for overtimes are monitored? Can all workers take regular breaks in designated areas? Can workers vary their work to gain a work-life balance? Are there any resources or procedures for workers to manage completing the roles in their jobs? Is there a policy on a work-related stress? Is there a policy to support and reinforce a positive environment? So now the step two is once you actually gather those data in step one, identifying the risk, evaluate and prioritizing the risk is your next step. This step is to decide who might be armed. It might be necessary to collect the supplementary data if the existing data is not deemed sufficient to evaluate the risk and to take action. This can be done either through a valid questionnaire if the university or the teaching organization has a large number of employees. How likely it is that Assad will cause harm? Example, if a high number of um, um, lecturers are reporting high workload, lack of suitable equipment causing further delays, these are the factors that need to be taken in consideration. 
and how serious that arm is likely to be. Is there a connection between the high workload and sickness absence or health complaints? How often and how many workers are exposed to these risks? List the risk in the order of importance. Use the list to draw up an action plan. In evaluating how likely is that the assad will lead to an arm and injury, and how severe that injury is likely to be, the questions need to be considered. Can this assad be removed completely? Can the risk be controlled? Can protective measures to be taken to protect all? What emergency procedures needed in the event of incidents, such as an assault on a staff? Problems should be categorized in terms of risk factors like the job, colleagues, external, their families and students, organization, community and society. Once the step two has been completed, move on to the step three. Decide on the preventive action. Proactive preventive active approaches needs very important in order to create a culture where respect and dignity is valued. Employees should be able to feel psychologically safe to discuss the issues and conflicts informally with their managers and colleagues. Employees should have the confidence if they raise it to the higher management, it's going to be deal with a serious notion to have a preventive action. Policies applied should be consistent and a key message should be communicated at all levels of employees to have an empathetic, open questioning paired with active listening. Organizations should have a separate reporting procedures for bullying and separate procedures in place to deal the grievance with fair notion with specific policies for bullying. Line managers play an important role in creating a positive organizational culture. Managers need to lead by example. Managers with intimidatory style and those with singling out approach are the worst person to hold the role as a manager. And they should be supported with training to prevent organizations getting trouble or holding liabilities. Organizations should create a 360 feedback Managers should receive feedback on their performance from their line manager staff. Organizations should focus on line managers' competencies, people skills, people with collaborative cultural proficiencies, and ingrain inclusive empathy, dealing with conflicts, mentoring, and engage in uncomfortable conversations during difficult conversations. For employees, absence level and turnover intervention should be agreed either directly or through worker safety representatives. An exit interview should be in place with employees to record their experience. Once the step three is completed, the step four is to take an action. Effective implementation involves development of a plan specifying who does what, when a task is to be completed, the means allocated to implement the measures, the information arising from the risk assessment must be shared with the employees. Communications of findings will ensure that everyone involved in the risk assessment activity or exposed to the risk is made aware of the actions taken to solve the issues identified. And the step five is the final step 
keep monitoring and reviewing. The agreed solutions should be carefully implemented, monitored and evaluated. Evaluating any actions to establish what workers best and assessing the effectiveness of all control measures is very crucial to deal with a work-related stress. At is, at is most situations, it can change very quickly and there might be a wider different varieties of bullying and harassment and tailored intervention should be in place in action. When a significant change occurs, there is a need to make sure there is no new assaults that needs addressing and the risk assessment needs to be repeated wherever it is necessary. For effective and sustainable stress prevention, the teaching institutions should consider assessment and monitoring as a continuous improvement process. The following questions may be useful for monitoring stress at work more broadly. Are the risk assessments and preventive measures reviewed regularly and at what frequency? Does the management monitor the workplace health and safety performance, including work-related stress and other psychosocial issues? Is there monitoring of organizational indicators of work-related stress, such as sickness absence, leave, interview data or performance? Are measures in place to improve the work-life balance, for example, childcare facilities? Are there measures in place for retention issues? Are there communications and reporting systems in place? Does worker consultation take place before major changes to the workplace or work organizations are implemented? Now let's dive in to the next segment where I'm going to discuss the actions for a bully-proof work organization, especially in the education sector. In this section on the action tips for bully-proof workplace, I'm going to talk about actions to put policies and support in place, actions to improve work organizations and workload, and actions to minimize stress when introducing institutional changes. So let's look into the actions to put in policies and support in place. For this, develop and implement a written policy on work-related stress. This may be a part of health and well-being policy already in place, but ensure that stress is mentioned in it. Develop additional policies to support and reinforce positive work environment like flexi time. Develop actions with students to improve behavior, for example, putting in place a regular breaks and reward programs. Perform annual assessment of work-related stress and its impact on the employees. Monitor and evaluate the progress of stress risk management programs. Focus on the long-term process of organizational learning as well as short-term benefits like quick wins so the teaching institutions is seen as uh, making a serious effort in reducing the stress, not just filling form exercises. Use facts and figures to monitor and evaluate any change programs. Carry out audits on bullying, violence and harassment. Provide childcare facilities and flexible work practices such as job sharing. Assess formal and informal communications and reporting lines. Establish a system of 
open consultation prior to making any major changes. Make a stress management part of a normal management process, reducing the taboos around stress. Work with local communities and medias to promote awareness of impact of stress on teaching quality and the health of workers and encourage positive and supportive behavior. Now let me talk about actions to improve work organizations and workload. Raise awareness and train all staff in the causes and solutions for work-related stress. Get commitment to all level of teaching institutions to tackle work-related stress. Frequently review the workloads, demands and overtime. Examine the work pattern of the staff. Let workers choose their methods, pattern and phase of work and focus on the objectives. Ensure constant review and, if needed, redistribution of workloads and rescheduling of deadlines. Review process for the staff management um, should be not on the overloading of stress to the employees by picking up their weaknesses, but having a, a good support system and policies how they can be supported with more training for the retention issues. Actions to improve the work environment and establishing a mentoring or coaching scheme for old staff, especially the new staff, and develop an awareness program, for example, holding staff well-being days or by producing newsletters and posters, and provide training on stress management to all staff, provide training to all teaching staffs um, in the organization on the risk assessment and how they can access the occupational health and safety. Designate a health and safety representative and uh, reinforce good standards of behavior. Encourage collaborative problem solving and communication and create opportunities for feedback, for example, praise and provide constructive performance related feedback. Build organization wide commitment by demonstrating management support, raising awareness and promoting good practice and provide access to occupational health support such as counseling services, uh, whether it can be an internal or external services. Also provide training for the teaching staff to cover behavior management and teaching skills to deal with difficult behavior. Reward positive attitudes and promote positive role models. Establish teacher-student committees that involves change management process. Involve staff in risk assessment process, risk identification, and uh, also suggestions for solutions. Now let's dive into the actions to minimize the stress when introducing institutional changes. Carry out a risk analysis. Undertake thorough planning of preventive actions. Combine work-oriented and work-oriented measures. Introduce context-specific solutions, use appropriate external expertise, institute effective social dialogue, partnership and worker involvement, and take sustained preventive actions and enlist senior management support. Education on leadership for bully-free workplace is very much important to make employees having that psychological support.
In this segment, I'm going to talk about leadership for bully-free workplace. Many problems of bullying in organization can be tracked back to poor leadership. Poor leadership is often that part of the iceberg that is not visible. The issue is the managers or supervisors had no training to become a supportive leader, but only passes on the administrative authority, creating an intimidating culture and escalation of the concerns. Bill George, a professor of leadership at Harvard Business School, indicates that self-awareness is the key for starting point of leadership. Self-awareness is the skill of being aware of one's own thoughts, emotions and values from moment to moment. Through self-awareness, a leader can have a right intensity and integrity that turns them into a good leaders in the organization and creates a bully-free organization. Yet, self-awareness among leaders is depressingly very rare. Leaders with poor self-awareness often overindulge in toxic or undesirable behaviors because they have no filters or ability to contain themselves. To be clear, everyone has a dark side, but when leaders are self-aware, they monitor their behaviors more effectively and learn to control their problematic tendencies, keeping these toxic access in check. McKinsey's research argues that leaders do not pay enough attention to soft organizational and leadership elements, namely the mindsets, practices, behavior, and culture needed for success in organization. What most organizations typically overlook are the internal dynamics. Leaders should look into what people's mindset think and feel to bring any strategy to life. This is where the resistance tends to rise, cognitively in the form of fixed beliefs, deeply held assumptions and blind spots, and emotionally in the form of fear and insecurities, all rolling up to our mindsets which reflects how we see the world, what we believe, and how that makes us feel. Leaders can only resolve problems when they consider the impact on others and focusing on the needs of others, the team and organization. Shifting to an outward mindset is the one change that most dramatically improves the performance, sparks collaboration, and accelerates innovation. With an outward mindset, organizations and individuals focus on a collective result. They can have a difficult conversations about resource allocation, roles, and responsibilities without feeling the need to protect themselves or their areas. They might frame the problem differently, allowing them to see new possibilities for solutions and new directions for problem-solving. With an inward mindset, people tend to avoid difficult conversations because they do not care enough about others and or the organization. Summarize, failing to manage risk factors for work-related stress in education industry can have an important consequence for the quality of service provided to students as well as health of teaching staff. Leadership from management, good work organization, 
a positive working climate that fosters respect and dignity and a clear communication between teaching staff, supervisors and colleagues are very essential to reduce the risk of work-related stress and promote a positive mental health in education sector. I hope this podcast would re-spark the importance of mental health in education industry and rethink the relevant policies for a bully-free workplace in UK. Thank you for listening to this podcast in Daily Star. We have loads more episodes to come. So please hit the subscribe button here and so you don't miss an episode. And if you have enjoyed this podcast and found it very useful, please give us a five star and share a review. And it would really help other people to discover the podcast and share the wisdom. Signing off now, Davy Sundar.